Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. I'd like to thank the reform members of Back to Ashes. Denise S., Seven Leaf Clover, Through Scrutiny, Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Mana Ash, Normandy W., Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's Niece. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes or check out my GoFundMe, all that information can be found below. Also, if you are new here or haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share and comment as it does help push this video into the algorithm and remind you every time i upload a video with all of that being said it is time to go back to ashes for once we arise from the ashes we are a bigger brighter stronger and a happier person in the morning sit back relax kick back grab your snacks or tuck in to get warm and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled true haunted backwoods stories right after this intro and ad will play I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. Side note, please enjoy the warm fire. So, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago, located in the Caribbean. According to our folklore, a Duin is the spirit of a child who died before baptism. They have no faces except an O-shaped mouth, feet turned backwards, and a large hat. They usually lure children into the woods so as to make them lost and die. They also tend to be present at rivers and bamboo patches. Growing up, my grandparents and elder relatives would always warn me about them, considering I live near a forested area, and there's a river right behind my house. They used to say if Duans heard someone call your name, they can take on the voices of these persons and use it to lure you in. I usually ignored their warning and would play close to the river by myself because I was an only child back then. One evening, when I was about 10 years old, I was in my hammock on the back patio. Note. I had a clear view of the river and bamboo patch from where I was. It was around 4 p.m. when I realized the atmosphere suddenly turned eerie. The wind stopped blowing. The trees were still. Not a sound could be heard from any animals. The street I live on became too quiet, and it was like I was frozen in time. While rocking in the hammock, I heard my mom suddenly call my name. It was as if she were shouting and she kept calling for like two minutes straight until I shouted back, All right, I'm coming. Now, this is where it gets weird. All the time she was calling it, it wasn't coming from the direction of the bamboo patch across the river. I was confused as to why my mom would be there, but my gut told me to check inside the house first. Walking through the house, I could still hear her calling me until I reached the back room and found my mom doing laundry. I asked if she was calling, and she said she never did call me. I looked out the back door, and the calling stopped. I asked my mom if she heard someone calling my name, and she said she heard nothing. Since then, I stopped playing outside, and I never heard my name called again. This is a true story my grandmother experienced. Truth be told, during her life before she and my mom moved out from their home village, she experienced quite a few strange things, and this is one of them. Before I go deeper into the story, please excuse my grammar, mistakes as English is not my mother tongue. My grandmother lived in a small village and was working as a postwoman. Her job allowed her to meet and talk with old people, at the time who told her some spooky, supposedly true stories about the area or people living there. Being a postwoman also meant she had to travel quite a bit to deliver mail as there were fields, forests, and some people living further from the center of the village. During spring, summer, and autumn, when the roads were good, she used her bike, and when it was winter or very muddy, she took her horse with a wagon. This happened in the winter or late autumn because she took her horse. As I mentioned, some people lived quite further, 
so she had to cross the forest in order to deliver some mail. As she was going back, she took another route in that forest and somehow she ended up going in circles. She recalled that old folks told her a story that once there was a mansion and it sank into the ground instantly during a wedding feast and only a priest managed to escape. Everyone else went to the ground with the house. Supposedly, years passed and Forrest took over the place, but somehow it remained sinister. My grandmother figured that it must be the same cursed place. She heard that whoever walks into its territory ends up going in circles. She spends a good half of the day trying to get out of it, but no matter where she turned, she ended up going in circles. Round and round she went, not being able to escape. Then, as she got tired, she gave up and spoke to her horse. She asked him to take her home and release the reins, thus giving her horse total control and freedom. That horse brought her home. Turns out, she spent a good five to eight hours because it was already a night when she returned. To this day, she can't explain what happened. That accident occurred after years of work, and she was born in that village, so she knew the place pretty well. For a long time, I thought I was crazy. I've heard one in six people have a paranormal encounter, but I have had quite a few. It wasn't until I was in my teens that I had something strange happen with someone else around. This was the first time. This place was crazy and weird. The stories I heard before I even went there were insane, but I'm going to keep this as short as possible as some of it will be hard to believe. I was about 19. My best friend had become friends with a guy. I'll call him C. C lived with his mom Kay in a small house located in a village in Cumberland. Kay was really cool and would let a bunch of us hang out there. The house was built in the 50s or 60s. All the doors in the house were glass. The living room had two entrances with double doors, and there was a conservatory on the back of the house, which the other doors led to. Basically at night, no matter where you stood, you could see everywhere on the ground floor, either directly or reflected in the conservatory. There was a small garden with a fence, and then the woods. The people in the village itself were weird. We would have a nervous laugh about it, being like children of the corn, village of the damned, or the league of gentlemen. The kids in the street would stop and stare as we walked by. Shopkeepers would stop what they were doing and smile, but never said a word to us the whole time. People walking down the street would either be mumbling or laughing to themselves. On a few occasions, they would walk until I just passed scream and then run off down the street. As we all stood looking bewildered at each other, I would say, I hope all you know we are all going to die here. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. This was how everyone we saw on the street behaved, without fail. It was creepy, absurd, and hilarious. One day, me and my bud went into the local pub. Everyone stopped, turned, and looked at us. The pub was full of men in polo shirts, either navy or pastel pink. Sorry about babbling on, but you have to understand the surreal nature of this place. Everywhere was weird. Anyway, it wasn't long into my first visit before we got Kay talking about some of the weird goings on. Not just in the house, but in the entire area. She had collected newspaper clippings from the local paper to back up some of her stories. Here's some stories I can remember she told me. We also confirmed these with the neighbors. If you've ever heard of the Bonnie Bridge UFO sightings, on one of those occasions a UFO was spotted flying near the village. The woods were well known in the area for the amount of dead bodies that turned up there. It was rumored that a coven of witches practiced black magic in the woods, 
People said they had seen robed groups of people in the woods. White horses in near fields had been found stabbed to death with their tails cut off. K and C told me one night the entire street was out in their backyards. There was chanting coming from the woods. They said it was so loud it must have been about 50 people. Men, women, deep voices, high voices. K said the creepiest part was as soon as the chanting stopped, it would instantly start in another part of the forest, like they were jumping from one part of the forest to another or a group of hundreds of people throughout the forest, performing perfectly coordinated chanting in the dark. To a bunch of adventurous teenagers, this place was the shit. Kay also mentioned that strange objects had been left on the steps in the backyard, feathers and twigs tied with twine, and a couple of times robed figures standing just beyond the fence. This was all pretty mind-blowing, then she started to tell us about the house. Both K and C refused to use the second floor bathroom or go into the spare bedroom. At some point in time, K had noticed scrambling sounds coming from the loft. She assumed it was a rat or squirrel that had gotten in. Also, all the spoons in the house had started to go missing. Each time she returned to the house, another spoon was gone. Finally, when there were no spoons left, she tore the house apart, trying to find just one with no luck. She had searched everywhere except the spare bedroom. She was pumping herself up, getting ready to go in, when she heard a bump from the loft. Oh no, she thought. There's someone living in the loft. She called the police. C had come back from a friend's house at this point. They both listened to the bumping and scrambling as they waited for the police. Even the police heard it after they arrived. They pulled the hatch down and went in. They found nothing except all the spoons laid in a row in front of a burnt-out candle. The policeman, straight-faced, suggested she get an exorcist. They never told me why they didn't go into the other rooms, but Kay believed she was cursed that her ex-husband had something to do with it. Despite the honesty in their faces and the clippings and the things that I'd experienced in my life, at that point, I was skeptical. It's hard to let go of that even when we did start experiencing things. Often, a group of us would be hanging out, watching a movie or something when this would happen. The first time, we were all set there gradually it dawned on me I could hear something, a perfectly natural sound. Someone was in the kitchen, clearing away dishes. I could see reflected in the conservatory windows, someone moving back and forth in the kitchen. I looked left and right, did a head count. I felt my blood drain. I turned to my buddy and said quietly, Who the hell is in the kitchen? Still looking at the TV, he said, Oh, it's, um... I did a quick head count. Uh, uh, hell, I don't know. The rest of the group had begun to catch on. They saw it, too. We armed ourselves with anything we could find. Golf clubs, chairs, guitars. Half of us took the hallway entrance, the other conservatory entrance, as soon as someone could see directly into the kitchen. The noise just stopped, clattering right up until the very last moment. None of us slept that night. However, it happened again and again. We purposely took people who had ever been there and knew nothing about it and wait for them to notice, always the same without fail. Sometimes, when we all decided to crash for the night, the only place left was the spare room. I went up opened the door, and some big bastard had bet me to it, right there all wrapped up in the quilt. I went back downstairs with a sigh. My buddy asked me what's up. I explained. He's adamant no one is in there, pointing out where everyone is sleeping. I agree, but I'm also adamant someone is in there. We both go up, open the door, 
and the quilt is flat and hanging off the bed. The second time it happened, I was with my girlfriend. She never set foot in that room again, but it wasn't just us that saw that one either. One night, one of my pals were taking his sweet time in the toilet. I decided to use the one upstairs. I walked up the stairs. I was looking down slightly. The top step came into view. It was dark, but nothing like pitch black. And there on the top step, legs in black suit trousers and a pair of polished black shoes. I tried with all my might to look up, but I couldn't do it. Nope, just went back downstairs. One night, it was C's birthday. We had a big party, loads of people. The house was packed, blaring music. At about three in the morning, C grabs me up to his room window. Listen, he says. I run down the stairs, grab my mate. He shuts off the music. Everyone can hear it now. Screams. Fifty-odd teenagers standing in a backyard and hanging out of windows in pure silence. I swear to you, I will not exaggerate. This was the most blood-curdling thing I have ever heard. It sounded like a woman or child. I tell myself it was probably a fox, but whatever was happening to the thing, I would not wish on anyone. It was crying out in pain, and it was loud. The sound would become higher pitched and pop, and then gurgling, and then start all over again and again. Every single one of us stood there for an hour. Girls started crying. Some of the guys were freaking out, but there was nothing else to do. We couldn't keep just partying with that going on. It was the sound of absolute suffering. Maybe you guys in America have heard something like that. You have big predators over there, but here, the biggest predators we have are foxes. There was no commotion or barking or shouting. Just the sound of this poor thing screaming and gurgling over and over, like it was on a megaphone. In all my years camping in Scotland, I've never heard anything like that. However, the woods were beautiful in the daytime. We would walk through them often. Every time, without fail, when we went to the woods during the day, high above, directly above us, two crows would be fighting in the sky, cawing and knocking the shit out of each other. But there was some other strange shit in there. We just referred to them as landmarks. There was an area with wooden joists that had somehow been merged into a tree, like they had grown out of the separate trees that were perfectly twisted together. Strange symbols carved into trees. Once we found large piles of white hair at the base of these trees, a ring of baby oak trees that had been cut down. The stump in the center seemed to be bloodstained. There was an area where many tall trees, saplings, had been bent over and secured to make arches tall enough for a man to walk through. We had the place mapped out well in our heads. We knew where to go from each landmark to find the others. The area was segmented by roads too, but at night, even if we followed the compass to a T, nothing was in the right place. Fair enough. It's dark. You can get turned around. But what really gives me the creeps is that at night, and only at night, about 15 feet northeast from the ring of the tree stumps, was a huge U-shaped hedge about 15 feet high. The U-shape created a corridor about 30 feet long with a dead end. It was monolithic, but we could only find it at night. C had a small den he built as a kid. We hung out there for a few hours one day, just shooting the shit, then went back. The next day, we returned to the den. There was a perfect three-foot-wide black circle scorched into the grass around the den. It was summer. The grass was tall, thick, and dry. 
I don't know how they managed to do that. I think our constant investigation was pissing someone off. We took it as a warning. We didn't stop. But after that, we weren't going so much. And in smaller groups. But I don't remember much else happening that I saw. I don't know if I believe in ley lines and stuff like that, but if they are real, I'm pretty sure one runs through that place. Hello to you all. I was fortunate enough to grow up on a lovely little secluded piece of land in Canada. I had a large house, which was backed by beautiful forests and woodland. I never wanted much in the way of entertainment, as myself and brother Gabriel had plenty of games to play in the dense forest, which kept us busy for most days. I was homeschooled, and as such, spent a lot of time in and around that forest, and grew to love it, and know it like the back of my hand. On to the paranormal. My family is not very spiritual. My dad was an atheist. My mother, a very casual Catholic. I think I might have gone to church maybe twice in my life. Despite this, dad didn't like going too deep into the forest. Mom, much the same. They said they got funny vibes from it. Some gut instinct, I guess. They didn't have a problem with me and Gabe going into the forest as long as we were sensible, we're together, and didn't go too deep. We had enough of a feel for what was too deep to never cause a problem by venturing too far and getting lost or anything. But we would often still push into the woods a bit to explore new areas. There were some nights where I would be awoken up by blue flashes coming through my window as if someone taped cellophane over a flashlight and was sporadically turning it off and on from above the canopy deep in the woods. Other nights, if the wind carried just right, you could hear voices in the dead of the night, sometimes conversation, sometimes wailing or shouting, other times whispers, sometimes all three. I couldn't never really hear what was being said. The woods stretched out for kilometers and kilometers, and to my knowledge, was uninhabited where the lights and noises came from. On one particular occasion, I guess this activity climaxed. I was about 14. Me and Gabe wandered further than we ever had. We reached a point, and it was like something snapped, I guess. It's kind of hard to describe. It was like the feeling you get when you break something and know you're about to be caught. We turned back pretty quickly. I think something followed us out of those woods. A few hours later, I was reading in the living room, which had a big glass sliding door, which faced the backyard and trees. I noticed movement out of the corner of my eye. A humanoid dude, probably six feet tall, was beckoning me from the tree line. He had wild, untamed hair, sickly, hairless skin, and didn't appear clothed. He just kept beckoning with this awkward, stiff movement of his arms. There was something totally off about him. I screeched for my dad, and when I did, the guy walked behind the nearest tree and just disappeared out of sight. I explained to my dad what I saw, who looked outside, but found nothing. He told me I probably imagined something from my book. I can guarantee you, I most definitely did not. Hello everyone. Today I'm going to tell you guys about something that happened to me and my two friends when we were about 14. When I was a young kid, I was very rebellious and also the only child. I lived with my mom and my stepdad. My mom worked long hours and so did my stepdad, 
who used to leave for work every day at 5 a.m. My mom worked six to seven days at a care home for the elderly. After school, me and my two best friends loved going to the park opposite my flat where we'd talk, run about, play truth or dare, you know, just girly things. One thing about this park was that it had a forest just at the end of it, which was humored to be haunted. We didn't believe in such things, yet they still excited us. We once got very close to it, and we saw a few things there, such as a mattress, a blanket, toilet paper, and some food. To me, it looked like a homeless person might have found shelter there, so I didn't look too much into it. But the boys at school said they were devil worshippers. Again, we found this to be absurd and continued going into the park. One day, it was dark, around 8 p.m., and we were still there. We were playing around on the swings, and when suddenly, I realized my phone had gone missing from my pocket. This was extremely weird, as I had always kept a good eye on my phone, because my parents would be pissed if I ever lost this phone. It was an iPhone 5S, if I remember correctly. I told my friends it was gone. Let's call them Allie and Jamie. We started looking everywhere for this phone, around the playground, where it had to be because we had walked straight in through the metal gate. It wasn't there. I began to panic more and more, and we started searching further away. We were by the lake looking for my phone when Allie said, I found it. I looked to where she was pointing, and to my relief, saw my phone. I couldn't be more thrilled, but what happened next made us feel sick. Next to my phone was a heart and some type of organ. It looked like an intestine. The heart had a hole through it, which I noticed right away and pointed out. We were shocked and confused and honestly a little scared. After my friend Allie took a video with her phone, we then went to walk my friend Jamie to the bus stop to go home when we noticed a bright light shining from the haunted forest. Now, the right decision would be to keep going and not turn back, but we were 14 and completely stupid, so we decided to go investigate as we wanted to get to the bottom of where the guts came from. All three of us walked towards it, giggling and laughing, thinking it was a joke. As we approached closer and closer, the light got closer and closer, until it was too close, and we could see something in the darkness. It looked like a man, could have been a woman, it was hard to say, and they had a stick sticking out from their back. As soon as we saw that, we quickly began to run back into the main road as this was no longer funny. Whoever was coming towards us did not have good intentions. Whilst we ran, my friend Allie fell over. I quickly grabbed her and pulled her up and we continued running. We successfully made it into the same road. Once we did, we looked back to see this person retreating back into the forest. Fair to say, we were shaken up. We also never went back into that park again. I'm now 20 years old and still cannot understand what happened that night or what could have happened. We had nightmares for a while after this event and we never spoke of it again. Let me know if you guys have had any similar experiences or maybe the same one. It was nice to finally speak on the subject. Thank you for listening to my story. There's a local, famously haunted road in my town called Upson Road. However, it is more commonly known as Green Lady Cemetery Road, or GLCR. You can look it up online. There's been tons of reports of incidents on this road. It's a hot spot. If you grew up in my town, you've been down GLCR. 
I could go on for days telling you about stories I've heard from other people about this location, but I would rather tell you about the two experiences I've had on this road. The second one made me swear to never go down that road again, daytime or night. The road had never been paved. They've left it a terribly bumpy and dirt road to stop people from going down it. Most times of the year, the town puts up barriers so no one drives down it. Not because it's a walking path, but simply because they don't want people going down there. At one end of the road, there is an old piece of property that the town bought that you'll often see a police car sitting in. If you decide to pull on to GLCR, you will be pulled over immediately and be told you're trespassing even though it is in fact public property. They can't legally stop you from driving down there, but most people don't know that and will turn around. The road starts off as just as wooded dirt road. It's only about a mile, so you can drastically see a change of scenery in a very short amount of time. As you pass the wooded area, you come up to a section of road where on the right is a small swamp, and on the left is more forest. However, nothing seems to be able to live out there. When you hit this section of road, you are officially in the hot spot. If you park your car and look around, you'll notice that trees didn't seem to grow there. They're all dead and rotten. You will not hear birds chirping. It's dead silent. Going just slightly further up the road, just past the swamp, is where things get very eerie. On the left-hand side of the road is a very, very old cemetery where the Green Lady stays. The headstones are all dated from the 17 and 1800s. There is also a small foundation next to the cemetery where a house used to stand. It had been reported time and time again that people have witnessed a green mist floating around the cemetery. People have seen this green mist form into the shape of a woman in a dress, walk back and forth around the cemetery. There are a few theories as to who this woman is, but I'm not completely sure anyone knows exactly who she is. Anyway, it's a bit of a rite of passage here in town where every kid who gets their license drives down GLCR at night just to be able to say they've done it. Here are my two stories about GLCR. When I purchased my first car, the first thing my friend Jordan and I did was take a drive down GLCR. I had picked him up at his house at around 10.30 at night and we drove over there. It had been extremely hot that day and towards the nighttime, it had rained a bit and cooled down a bunch. That combined with the swamp being on the road, it was so foggy you couldn't see more than three feet in front of you. It was absolutely the worst time to be driving down there, to be totally honest. We had both been a bit nervous, and the fog wasn't helping us at all. We had been creeping down the road slowly, as we couldn't really see where we were going. We had gotten about 200 feet from the cemetery when a teenager comes running out of the fog and runs right past our car. We didn't recognize him, but man, this kid was bolting down that road. He was dressed in a gray Nike t-shirt and black basketball shorts. He looked like he was about our age, so we were even more confused that we didn't recognize him. Jordan and I agreed that the kid looked like he was running away from something, so we decided to turn around to offer him a ride. Mind you, there is a ton of bears and other large carnivores, so we had thought maybe something was chasing him. I quickly turned the car around and started driving back the direction the kid was running. We drove for a little bit and we didn't see him. The fog had started to clear up a bit, so we were able to see a decent distance in front of us, but we still couldn't see him. He wasn't on the road. He wasn't in the forest. He was just gone. I rolled down my window and started to yell out, 
Hey man, are you okay? Do you need a ride? Hoping that maybe the kid would pop out from behind a tree or something. But nothing. The kid was gone. Maybe he was some kid who decided to walk down that road that night and got spooked. Maybe he saw our headlights and thought we were the cops and hid from us. We still don't know to this day. We had asked around in school if anyone we knew had gone for a walk down GLCR the night before, and we never heard anything. If there was a kid out there that late and he ran up into the forest, that's even scarier than the thought of a ghost teen running past our car. I'll never forget the look on that kid's face as he ran past the car. He looked like he was scared, panicking. I really wished we were able to find out who he was. Now for the second and final experience. Jordan, the same friend from story one, had gotten his first car. So obviously the first thing we had to do was go down GLCR. The weird thing about this drive is that once again, as we got closer to the cemetery, a thick layer of fog had started to pour out of the trees from the swamp. Although the weather had been the same all day, no rain, no temperature drops, nothing. Luckily, this fog wasn't as thick as before and we could see in front of us. We had gotten up to the cemetery and Jordan parked the car. We sat around for a little while and looked at the cemetery, the forest, just observed everything. After five or so minutes, Jordan looks to me and says, Dude, how weird would it be if I looked in the rearview mirror and there was someone in the back seat? Who the hell says that? I mean, honestly, dude, look where we are. That's not even a joke. That's seriously not funny, bro, I told him. He looked up at the mirror and screamed. I spun around and looked in the back seat and nothing was there. He starts laughing and says, <laughs> I got you. Again, you're not funny, Jordan. He didn't want to keep wasting gas, so he turned off the car and shut off the headlights. Now this idiot has us sitting on a famously haunted road in the middle of the night in the pitch black. We're parked right in front of the old building foundation, so the cemetery is just ahead to the right. We sat there for another few minutes, smoking cigarettes and just talking about nonsense. I'm kind of staring off into the trees at this point, honestly a bit bored. When out of nowhere, Jordan says, Hey, there's someone in the forest. I shrug it off, assuming he's messing with me again. When I see a subtle light in the forest behind the cemetery, it looked like a flashlight with batteries that were as close to dead as they could be. The light vanished after a few seconds, and we both sat there with our eyes glued to that patch of forest. Roughly 30 seconds later, a tall, ovular light started to appear in the same spot the light came from. Jordan says to me, Okay, dude, uh-uh, I'm done, let's go. And I tell him, No, 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 hang on, dude, wait, wait. His hands are on the key and he's ready to start up the truck and drive away. The light was very faded, a little hard to see, but when the forest behind it is pitch black, it stood out. It slowly started to move along the rock wall at the back side of the cemetery, and Jordan started up the truck. He was so ready to leave. As his headlights kicked on, we saw a green mist floating around the road. Jordan yells out, To hell with this! and slams the truck in reverse and backed us up until he felt far enough away to turn us all the way around. We had always heard reports of the green mist. Supposedly, if you wait long enough, you'll eventually see the green lady walk around in the mist. But we were too damn scared to see that happen. I never thought the green mist was real until that night. And to this day, I swear I will never drive down that road ever again. I heavily recommend you all look up this road. It's probably one of Connecticut's most famous paranormal hotspots.
Before I get started, I apologize for my English. It's not my first language. This happened two years ago in June or July in Poland, where we live. I got a call from my aunt if I can come over and meet her where she works. I agreed and we've met 30 minutes after. She asked me if I can look at the place while she worked because she needs to leave to see her boyfriend. I asked why and she explained that just before she called me, D had called her. He and two of his friends, F and J, were at a road trip not far away from where we live. They decided they wanted to do a trip to shoot with some Winchester guns for fun. They decided to drive to a point on a hill where a small old bunker is. The bunker is so small that only two people can enter, and it's only one room with windows fronting every direction. It's there because of the World War. We live on the border of Germany. My aunt said that for now, that's all she knows, and she needs to go get them from there because somehow they can't leave. She added that all of them were scared to their cores. I stayed at her job, which is a cigarette shop, and waited for them to be back. They got back in less than 10 minutes. As I said before, they were close to our location. When they left the car, my aunt's boyfriend sat in front of the shop with his friends, and they were pale from fear. When I say pale, I mean their faces were basically white, and they were not saying a word. I waited patiently for them to tell me what had happened. When they arrived at the spot, nothing was wrong. They went out of the car and started to prepare their air guns. They went on the roof of the bunker, which was around 1.5 meters high, and started to shoot for fun. They were shooting the rocks, etc. No people were around because there are no houses there. As they finished, they started going down from the bunker, and it was in that moment when he noticed something very, very strange. Their car was standing there, in plain sight, around 10 meters from where they were shooting from. At first glance, nothing had changed, but when he noticed that there were bricks piled up from the ground up to the chassis of the car around every single wheel... It was like they had drove straight into the middle of some kind of wall, but let's not forget that this is an area close to an old bunker with an old dirt road. There was 0% of possibility that they had not noticed it after leaving the car. All three of them had ran straight into the car and locked themselves in. D was the only one who was driving that day. He started the car normally but the vehicle just could not move. Like, these little walls around the wheels were strong enough to prevent them from driving away. They all started panicking at that point. Jay ran out of the car and started to kick the bricks to set the car free. At some point, he was certain that it's enough and that the walls were destroyed to the point that they maybe could leave now. He entered the car D tried again, but now the car wouldn't even start. The third guy called a friend from a city close to their location and asked if he could tow their car to the city. He agreed, and after 10 or 15 minutes, he called them back. He was standing on the road down the hill and was seeing him. He called to ask for the directions because somehow he couldn't find the way that led up to the hill. At some point... He started screaming that something went out of the woods near them, and it is running straight to their car. F said that the guy was screaming like he was afraid for his life. The only problem was that they were not seeing anything running at them. Nothing had left the woods, which they all were seeing from up close. At this point, they were all screaming, and it was all very hectic. The funny thing is that the guy who was supposed to help them just hung up and left them there. After a couple of minutes of straight-up panic, they managed to stay quiet for a moment. 
just to try and hear if anything is walking nearby or something. After a few seconds of silence, something knocked on the window of the car. The knock sounded like it was made with some metal thing. It was the window on the right side of the car, window facing the forest. After that, Dee called my aunt, and then she called me, and went to go get them, as I was at her job. Dee was really scared while telling us what had happened, but it's not the strangest thing. The weirdest thing is that his two buddies were silent as a tomb. They had not spoken a word since they arrived at my aunt's job, and... She told me, a couple of weeks after that, they were pretty strange after the accident. No one is talking about that day anymore, and I'm still so curious about what actually had happened up there. So, just this weekend, my cousins from the city in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, visited me and my family down here in southern Pennsylvania near Maryland. We lived in the boondocks, and there are many trails for people who enjoy horseback riding and taking rides on ATVs. When my cousins got to my house, we decided to go exploring towards my neighbor's house, who lived isolated in the middle of the woods in a log cabin. We walked a trail the whole way up there for about a mile, joking along the way. Now, let me give you a backstory about this place. Back in the 1800s, there was a bar and a few cabins for people to stay in. A group of men got drunk and attempted to shoot bottles off of each other's heads. People died, and the wives of the men who died burned down the bar and cabins. Then... They were later hanged by the bar owners and the family of the people who died. This happened right below where we were exploring. Legend says that a woman and people who died in the fires still lurk around the forest. Another incident takes place in the 80s or 90s. 18 was driving really fast with his friend at the exact location as the place where the bar incident took place. The teen crashed into a tree, beheading his friend and leaving him alive. The teen was tried for manslaughter, as he was driving drunk. This place is destined for bad luck. So, we were exploring on the trail, approaching the house. As we approached, the house we heard a very distant whistle. But we thought nothing of it, as it is spring and it was warm on this day, so there were birds around. But when we stopped to take a break, we heard twigs snap. We all froze as a giant branch fell and then the tree. It was a dead tree that was easily pushed down. I looked behind and saw a human figure as it set in with my brain. I realized that it was a man ripped rags overalls that had no more color and a worn out, no colored plaid flannel. He looked no older than 40. He looked at us for a while and then ran at us with a bat-like stick while laughing like a maniac. We ran the other way until cut off by an electric fence. We then turned the other way. By this time, we were way off trail and in the middle of the woods, but I knew that I had to go down to get back on the trail. By the time we got back on the trail, we had lost him. I'll tell you guys what we're never going to do, and that is never going back up there ever again. This story happened three years ago when I was 15 in my village. I don't tell this story much because people tend to think I'm making it up. But I've been thinking of it quite a lot this week, and I want people to know. My village is located in a rural area that is protected by the government because it has been considered a natural paradise for the last 30 years. This means that exploration in the area is quite difficult nowadays. 
since it is forbidden to cut trees, which means that it is a huge forest. I was spending my summer there, and my favorite thing was going hiking, although I had never gone alone into the woods. Just roads with people. My grandma had told me that clearing services had opened and rehabilitated a path that has been covered in bushes and trees for the last 30 years because of a race that was being prepared, like runners and stuff. Usually, I'd go to the nearest town, one hour away by foot, by the only way I knew, the road. On my way back from seeing friends there, I took the new path my granny said was safe, alone. Big mistake. The first part of the path was the easiest. Just too many obstacles and landslides, but it was nothing compared to the rest. The second part was a hill full of rocks. That was the hardest thing to go up. I literally had to climb on four legs like a dog. When I got to the top, I looked around and found some animal bones. I didn't pay much attention to it, since the area is known for its big population of wolves and bears that go out at night. I continued my way faster than before. This part was plain, where the woods really begin. So it was a relief until I got to a dead end. Some huge trees had fallen exactly on a row on the path, and it was impossible to cross them. This seems really off to me because there were no other fallen trees. The weirdest part? Aside from those trees, there was a little barn. Yes, a barn. In the middle of the woods, I thought to myself that it was probably abandoned. It looked like it to me. So I decided to throw my bag into the little field that belonged to the barn, and then I crossed the fence. I crossed it running without realizing the most bizarre thing. That field had no trees in it. It was completely clear. No bushes, no big plants, nothing. It really shouldn't be like that if it was abandoned. I started feeling concerned about how the location of the fallen trees was so coincidental, how there casually was a barn beside with a clear field when that path had been closed for 30 years. It just seemed really off. I went on, and luckily, I was reaching the last hill my grandma had described. The one that connected to the village. Suddenly, there was a silent moment in the woods, which allowed me to hear some branches cracking behind me. I thought to myself it was a bird or something, but they came closer. They really sounded like footsteps. After trying to convince myself it was probably an animal, I was so afraid and I couldn't look back. I started walking faster. And guess what? So did the footsteps. I just started running after noticing that, and so did the footsteps again. I was running for my life at this point. Suddenly, I started hearing incredibly loud grunts. Everything was going really fast. Luckily, I got to my village in a minute or so after that. I got into the patio of the first house I found, closed the door. It was a relative's house, no need to call the police. I stayed there for 10 minutes until I got my breath back and then came back home. I get chills just from remembering the place, not having signal in the middle of nowhere and a grunt. It makes me think there was something following me since the barn and trees were just a distraction to slow me down. I never went back into those woods alone after that. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true haunted backwoods stories. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves and stay safe. I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. 
peace, love, and light to you all.